0: Hey, Husker fans, welcome back to another episode of the Husker Big Red podcast. I'm Chris Peterson of Husker Big Red, and joining me as always, my co-host is Danny Gillette of the thegreatcornholio.org. How's it going
1: this morning, Danny? It's going good. We're, what, 13 days away from the opener, so football is in sight. I am excited, and it's good to finally get to the new cycle of the summer where we actually have things to talk about and games to preview.
0: Yeah, thirteen days away from Dublin, the Huskers are having, I believe, their final scrimmage today, and then they're gonna, you know, start honing up the depth chart, focusing on uh, Northwestern this following week. Um, they're gonna have to make their trip to Dublin soon. So, um, yeah, it's kind of getting to that time where you know you kind of finalize things, and they, I think, they probably have a pretty good idea of what the two deep is gonna be right now. But uh, that's. Going to be a relative topic here today. We're going to talk about um, the depth chart, and you know, we're going to start. We're going to break down the offense and the defense here. We'll even talk some special teams eventually, but uh, today we're going to focus on the offensive side of the ball. And uh, you know, there's been lots of talk kind of this week about you know the quarterbacks. Uh, running backs receivers so we'll kind of touch on all of that here as we go through um our depth chart and i guess we'll just uh you know no time to waste no time like the present so danny let's get to it you know the most important position on the field you know the past four years has been just not productive enough under scott frost you know i don't you know whatever has happened under adrian martinez he talented but you know didn't produce in key moments um so just kind of to get to it, what's your quarterback depth chart, you know, looking like to start the 2022 season for Nebraska football?
1: Casey Thompson at number one, Chuba Purdy at number two, Logan Smothers at number three. Um, I think it's interesting, and I wrote about this earlier this week, that Chuba was taking running uh, reps with the ones. I think, you know, by no means does that mean he's a starter. But I do like the fact that Nebraska is letting him take reps with the ones because That's how you develop. We've talked about depth before and the lack of it in past seasons. Now I'm hoping they kind of turn the corner in that regard and, you know, start developing Purdy to be a good starter if and when Thompson leaves because, as you can remember, the depth behind Adrian Martinez was not strong at all. Yeah,
0: and I think that's one reason why, you know, They just kind of kept trotting him out there. They never really recruited anybody over him. I think, you know, McCaffrey was supposed to be kind of a true competitor, but you know, turns out he can't even throw the, he doesn't even play quarterback anymore. I mean, so that tells you how poorly Nebraska recruited the quarterback position. Um, you know, but yeah, I completely agree going into this season. I think it's going to be Casey Thompson starting, you know, in Dublin. Um, you know, I think it's pretty clear Purdy is going to be number two and Smothers three. Um, you know, pers- I've said this before, I don't think Smothers is going to be on the roster after this season. Um, that's just kind of the way I just don't see a path to him starting unless he really just wants to stick it out at Nebraska. I think Purdy, um, you know, he, I've seen him a couple times in scrimmages, they, sh- the- or you know, they showed a highlight again of him, you know, scoring a rushing touchdown, which is something that, you know, Casey Thompson doesn't really bring. Um, But it's going to be interesting. Mark Whipple said it and it's true. You need two quarterbacks. You need more than one quarterback at some point this season You know, whether it's missing a few snaps, injury, or whatever, Casey Thompson's not going to take every snap from the season. I can almost guarantee it. It's just, it's hard to see that happening anymore. And whether he has to miss a game or you need Chubba to come in for a series or two in November, it's going to happen. They're going to have to, you know, have him come in and play. And, you know, it's important to have him ready. The other thing, too, is, you know, it's not like Casey Thompson is a sure thing. Yes. He threw, you know, he led the Big 12 in touchdown passes last year. I mean, Caleb Williamson start the full season. So, I mean, that statistic has an asterisk next to it. Um, but it's, I mean, he, the Texas only won five games last year. You know, it's not like Texas was begging Casey Thompson to stay there and be their start. They recruited somebody else over him because they didn't think he was good enough. I mean, let's just be honest about that. So it's not like he's a surefire, you know, going to lead this team to eight, nine wins. And if he comes out of the gate struggling, Nebraska's Scott Frost doesn't have time for him to figure it out. They need to put someone in that position who can produce from day one. And if it's not Casey Thompson, you know, uh, Purdy has to be ready because Nebraska and Scott Frost can't afford another losing season. Um, You know, he'll be fired. The recruiting class will fall apart. Everything literally hinges on the start of the season for the Huskers.
1: Well... To your point, I think Texas is a very poorly run program. It shouldn't be. I mean, they have all the resources to be successful. They just, you know, never seem to be able to get it done, and they always shoot themselves in the foot on and off the field. Um, But, yeah, I see, you know, Casey Thompson being the starter. I'm surprised Smothers stuck around, to be honest with you, but that's a good notch in the belt in terms of his competitiveness and his character and his will to compete, you know, that really says a lot about him. Um as a quarterback and I'm interested to see if maybe if he sticks around, if he'll undergo a position change because it's not like he's not a good athlete. He's a very good athlete. Um so I'm curious if maybe, you know, we see him in certain packages or something or you know, if he moves to a different position because that could be possible. I mean, he's definitely got the athletic skill.
0: Okay. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, quarterbacks have done, you know, a common move for quarterbacks is to tight end. You know, for instance, um, there's been plenty of quarterbacks that have kind of made that shift. If you're, you know, a bigger type, I don't know his measurables off the top of my head. I think he would need to fill out, obviously would have to fill out more. But, you know, he showed in that Iowa game that he can run the ball effectively. And, you know, but I definitely think he can start at quarterback at the FBS level you know maybe I'm not I'm not sold that he's a a power five starter yet but you know he showed glimpses in that Iowa game so you never know I mean if uh if Thompson moves on you know and it's him against Purdy you know that's who's to say he doesn't develop the season under you know Whipple because that's the thing is guys are going to continually get better you know week after week we're still very early in the process so you know he could go through all of you know next spring and then still have a chance if it's if it by that point is clear like hey I'm not going to be the guy then you know either switch positions or maybe go somewhere else but um but yeah what what's kind of your expectation or what what's your prediction what do you think you know if Casey starts the entire season what's kind of your projected stat line for him
1: um this is interesting because last year I don't think is a measuring stick because yesterday it came out that he tore the uh, UCL and the RCL I believe it was in his thumb so you know it's it's interesting that he had very good statistics with that tear and he had 24 touchdowns and nine interceptions last season I would say probably those same numbers because you know, Nebraska is going to want to use the running back room as well. Um, It's, I don't think it's going to be a completely pass heavy offense. So I don't think it's going to be a lack of Casey Thompson's skill, especially with that hand fully healed. Now I think it's going to just be that they want to balance out the offense more. So, I mean, I know it's only one more touchdown, but I'd say 25 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, And 2,500 yards would be a realistic uh, stat line, especially with the early games in Nebraska schedule. He could have a chance to really put up some good statistics with some of the easier games, um, you know, early on. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, if he, you know, starts
0: all 12 games, if he doesn't hit 3,000 yards, I think that's a I mean, 2,500 yards, that's barely over 200 a game, really. I don't think that's going to be good enough to win. I mean, unless the running game's really good and Anthony Grant's, like, really good. Um, but, yeah, I think he's got a good chance to hit 3,000 yards, 3,000 yards, 20-some touchdowns. Um, They've got to get he – he's got to get, I think, you know, close to those – metrics if this team's going to win, you know, 8 or 9 games, which I think it does have the potential to do. Um but there's so many weapons in this offense. I really want to see it. I mean, you know, I I Scott Frost has got to get this team averaging 30 points a game. I mean, it's just if Nebraska's not hitting that number this year then, you know, he might need to go anyways because they they just they've got to start scoring more points and uh, they've got all the talent in the world to do it. I think um there's the chance for Casey Thompson to easily hit 3000 yards. If he, you know, starts all those games, you know, I mean, it's like 225 or two, you know, it's not even that much. And I think with the way that Whipple wants to throw the ball, especially downfield, you know, I definitely think there's a realistic chance, you know, of it happening, but we'll see what happens with the running game. But yeah, I think 20 touchdowns and 2,500 or 3000 yards is a pretty conservative estimate with Casey Thompson.
1: I want to see, you know, them run the football a lot, and that's why I went a little bit more conservative. Um, I want to see them get as many of the running backs on the field as they can because there is a lot of talent there. Um, You know, again, I hate to keep harping on this, but to me it comes back to development and continuing to use what you have in the running back room. Nebraska has some very good running backs in there, so I'd love to see them, you know, run the damn ball, as is the popular saying around here. So, I mean, I just think from a personnel standpoint that, you know, if they don't give the running backs as much opportunity as possible, I think, you know, that would be underutilizing the room. I mean, we have this depth and I really want to see them use it. Yeah. And as much as the game has turned into a spread, you have to run the football to
0: win every team that makes the college football playoff they can do two things. They can run the football and they can stop the run. I mean, go back and look at the four teams from last year. Every single one of those teams could run the ball effectively and they could also stop the run. So as much as this game is, you know, about scoring points and the spread offense, you still, if you can't stop the run and if you cannot run the football, especially, you know, near the goal line near the red zone and short yardage situations, you aren't going to win very much. And that's exactly what's happened with Nebraska. The last few years, because push come to shove, they haven't been able to do, you know, those two things when it's really mattered. Um, But they they haven't. No, but uh, well, anyways, I was going to say that'll be a good transition to, you know, we've seen lots of, you know, great stuff about Anthony Grant seems like he's, you know, sort of emerged. As uh, the starter, which we kind of both predicted in our, you know, when we kind of talked about running backs last week. But now that we're doing the whole offense, we'll go back to it. What's kind of your depth chart and not just you're not just your obviously because running back is going to be more than one guy. You know, it's not like quarterback. So what's your breakdown of your running back depth chart? Who's going to play the most? Who's going to see what kind of touches?
1: What I want and what I think is going to happen may be two different things, but I really, you know, want to see. Anthony Grant be that number one back I was just looking back at some of his film last night and he has all the skills you know needed to be that top back um he has the vision he has the ability to change direction quickly he's um a north south runner you know I mean he doesn't bounce to the outside unless absolutely necessary which I kind of like because i feel like a lot of times when running backs bounce to the outside they don't get the forward progress to get those extra yards but i mean i think it's anthony grant and then ramir johnson and gabe irvin i was reading that you know uh, nebraska writer had anthony grant followed by um gabe Irv or yeah gabe irvin and then johnson but i just don't see where they would put johnson as the third running back based on the fact that irvin was hurt last year like if it was me if i was running the show i would kind of ease gabe back into things i talked about it with somebody on twitter uh last week yes i know he's healthy yes i know he's back at practice but you know i want we have the depth again in the running back room that we haven't really had before I wouldn't mind easing Irvin into things and keeping Ramirez in the second spot.
0: Yeah, that's where I don't really, you know, I don't think it's going to matter too much about second or third or, you know, because they're different players. Uh, Gabe Irvin brings a different skill set than Ramirez Johnson. So, you know, I think in terms of like the bell cow, you know, it's going to be Anthony Grant. And then if he goes down, I think Gabe Irvin is going to be kind of the next guy to step up in that mix. I think Johnson, they have a whole different plan for i think he's gonna get his carries i think he's gonna get about you know five to ten carries a game is what i'm hoping and then i hope to see him catching about five to ten passes a game um you know the little swing routes option rounds yeah. um using him in the slot quite a bit you know i think we're gonna see that i think you could see you know four wide receiver sets with him kind of tim and trey palmer out there in the slots on the opposite sides of the field so You know, that's the kind of stuff that Nebraska needs to do. He's too talented, and those throws are too easy for the quarterback. It just boggles my mind that, you know, those – but that was the thing is, you know, Adrian Martinez, oftentimes on swing routes, he would throw it behind the guy. And it's like you can't – if you're trying to set up a a little swing route and get the guy going upfield on a bubble screen for a block, you can't throw it behind him. The the whole point is to get the momentum going for it's like, you know, trying if you're if you're messing up the handoff every single time when you hand it off to the running back. So, I mean, even on those simple throws, you need to be accurate so that guys can actually try to make you know yards after the reception. A lot of that is determined on the accuracy of the throw, you know, slant patterns, all those types of stuff. So, you know, hopefully we'll see Nebraska utilize that more. But I do see Anthony Grant, you know, emerging as that guy. And one thing that's interesting, you know, just looking at the Nebraska roster is uh, Anthony Grant, uh, Ramir Johnson, uh, Gabe. I mean, Gabe Urban's only. he's just a redshirt freshman. I don't think he even played four games last year. So he's got freshman eligibility. Johnson's sophomore, a sophomore, uh, Anthony Grant. So all these guys are going to be back next year. At least they should be according to, you know, I mean, there could be departures and whatever. But I think it's an exciting future, you know, for Nebraska's backfield to see, you know, if these guys all emerge because they could potentially all be back next season too.
1: And I think Brian Applewhite's the right guy to do it. Uh, I really do. I think, you know, he can get the most out of these backs. And to kind of go back on one of your points, Chris, you're right. Because, you know, I keep forgetting that we have Mark Whipple now, and he has a more pass-friendly offense, so to speak. So that will take some of the load off Grant. It won't need to be a constant rotation of backs with – but honestly, predictable play calling. Like we saw last year, it's going to be a whole different ball game. So I do agree with you definitely on grant. And I'm just excited to see what they do with the room because I feel like Johnson can kind of be like a hybrid player, like a, like a, what do they call those duckbacks as a receiver and as a running back, kind of like Wandale Robinson was, but hopefully better executed. <laughs> Yeah,
0: well, I think, yeah, Wandale was, you know, they tried to use him in that way and it was, it was just, it was dumb. It was dumb. I can't say anything. They, they wasted one of the best recruits that they had because they didn't know how to use him properly. And that basically sums up, you know, the entire Frost era, I think. They just... Uh, but anyways not not to go on a tangent but you know one article I talked I wrote this week for Husker Big Red and it was uh, Mark Whipple was talking about you know using Johnson like Brian Westbrook you know back in the Eagles you know and it's so people remember him he was a guy that he didn't always rush for a thousand yards I think most years he was a little under that but he always had like 70 or 80 catches you know they did a lot of option routes with him and so I think man if you got Ramir Johnson out there with a linebacker and you got him running. I mean, that's, he's going to win that matchup nine times out of 10. And even if the guy makes the tackle, you're still putting, I mean, I'll take that Ramir Johnson, one-on-one against most big 10 linebackers. I think he's going to make that guy miss quite a few times. And that just was never in the playbook last year. I don't, I'm not sure why, even after he had that game, you know, he ran that great wheel route against Michigan, caught the touchdown. And then they never went, I just, it's, I didn't understand the offensive philosophy. But um, I don't think many of us
1: did, to be honest with you. I I really don't think many of us did. And it kind of just, you know, even not to go on a tangent with this, but even when you listen to the current coaching staff speaks, it just kind of highlights how far behind, for lack of a better term, the previous coaching staff was, because, you know, I think there were a lot of gaps there. And, hopefully we're going to see some of these gaps being closed. I've been let down too many times to say that's a definite thing, but hopefully we'll see some of these gaps being closed. Yeah. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to, yeah, there's been some interesting stuff this week. You know,
0: I don't know if you saw this and we'll talk about, we're going to talk about our projected O-line in a second, but did you see this yesterday where Scott Frost said that they've got, you know, the trackers on the the effort trackers on players and that the offensive line is basically giving out like twice the effort that it was a year ago. That I mean, I'm not saying like more, but per- I just thought that was a pretty uh, striking indictment of Greg Austin to say that a new coach has the guys working literally exerting twice the much effort, twice as much effort. I mean, it's not like it's not like Scott Frost is being like, "Hey, these guys are practicing harder." It's like no, scientifically, with these measurements, they're working like twice as hard as they were last year.
1: They probably didn't even have those meters under Austin, or they did and they just didn't use them because they knew the line sucked I mean Austin like Austin set that unit so far back and it's really telling how you know Rayola I was kind of hesitant when they when they brought him in as a coach but I've been pleased with what I've seen just his energy and intensity and he has a lot of work cut out for him and you know I think you know science can only tell so much but it is telling that they're giving what do you say twice the amount of effort or twice the amount of intensity something like yeah I don't remember exactly what it was people have to look
0: it up but um I might not be stating it right but I just know that I was surprised that it was that much of a of a difference but yeah, I love Rayola you know I think I've said this before I think it helps having these Nebraska guys and alums on the staff you know they understand Nebraska You know, they care about it. I'm not saying that the other coaches don't care, but you care a little bit more if it's your alma mater. And so I think, you know, getting Mickey Joseph back and getting Rayola, I think getting Trev Alberts back was a good thing too, you know, on another front. But um, yeah, I think everything's steering in the right direction with this program, but now we just have to produce on the field to keep that momentum going forward because it feels like a brand new staff to me. You know, it's like a second chance here for Scott, but he's got to take advantage of it and has to be, he can't have any missteps at this point. He's given away all of his goodwill. You know, it's the buyouts lower. Like, if it doesn't happen, he's gone. I think that that's been pretty clear.
1: Yeah, definitely. And not to go on a tangent again about this, but I wonder uh, I wonder if Fred Hoiberg is in a similar situation as well. But we can talk about that uh, at another day. <laughs> Yeah, it's you know, and it's been a good week for Fred. I really like Eli
0: Rice. I thought that was a great pickup. Yeah. Um. So, but you know, I, I don't know. I th- I like how Fred's recruiting in this class. I think he's finally starting to figure out. Like, I can't transfer in everybody. I've got to get some kids that are in the one to two hundred range. I need to develop. You need to get those kids and keep them at Nebraska for two or three years. You know, develop them. That's how you can eventually win in the Big Ten. So I don't. I would give Fred a little more leeway, like I said, the basketball program, especially going into the Big Ten. I mean, I think it's just more of an uphill climb. But we'll see. He's got to do better than he's got to, he's got to get more wins, though. He's got to show improvement.
1: Chase Clemens is good, too, the other recruit in the 2023 class. I think he's pretty good. Uh, but, yeah, it's. I mean, this is the most frustrating thing. Recruiting has never been a problem for Fred in terms of talent. It's been about putting a good product on the floor but um right now uh, it's football season and that's all I'm focused on because I don't know if I want to focus on basketball much for next year but we'll see maybe <laughs> they'll surprise me and and you know things will be good there but I just don't see it
0: <laughs> yeah it's well the big Ten's tough you know so we'll, we'll see it there's no it makes it hard when you know you're still a somewhat decent, program because not only nebraska was horrible but literally every team in the big 10 is good so it just it makes it tough but
1: um makes getting those non-conference to... wins in november very important
0: yep for sure
1: but getting back
0: to our depth chart here so that you know i think one of the most interesting positions to watch this uh spring you know in spring and fall camp has been wide receiver um mickey joseph said he wants you know about six guys to play and uh Despite you know we've got we saw the injury to Dakota's Crawford this week, so I believe he's going to be out for a long time or might miss the entire season. Um, So he's not really going to be in the mix. But there's a couple freshmen you know kind of in the mix. But what's your you know what's your top three going into the season?
1: Uh, Trey Palmer, Alante Brown, and I think Omar Manning. I think uh, Joseph was really high on Manning. And with Manning, it's not been about talent. We know he has that. He was the top, you know juco rated recruit when nebraska brought him in it's just been about you know i don't want to harp on him too much but it's just been about getting him on the field and you know making sure he gets the football i mean i think mickey joseph represents a fresh start for a lot of the wide receivers in the room and so i'm hoping manning can benefit that and then palmer you know he has that downfield playmaking ability nebraska really focused on that type of receiver and when uh, Joseph came to town and then Brown, I think Brown Frost said, I think two weeks ago that he was emerging as a leader in the wide receivers room. So I'm excited to see what he can do because you know, when Nebraska got him to commit, I believe it was 2019, December, 2019, if I'm not mistaken, Um, you know, he, all of his, highlights showed him being a fast explosive receiver and we just haven't seen that in full yet so I definitely consider those three and I'd be excited to see what each of them could do under Joseph
0: yeah it uh I'm excited too I think it's gonna be you know Trey Palmer I think is a guaranteed starter I think he's kind of the number one guy and then um I do think Omar Manning We'll start. I look at Nebraska basically as having three starting wide receivers because what I see, they're starting eleven or their base eleven offense kind of being, um, you know, eleven personnel, three receivers, one back, one tight end. You know, I don't think there's, I don't know if we're going to use any like fullback type thing. I'm sure they'll have some people kind of in that role, but that seems like what the offense is going to look like mostly to me. Um, and so I think the other, I think Marcus Washington is going to also be on the outside you know um hmm. brown is i think going to be in the mix i think he's right there in the top four but you know if you look at their college production i mean Alonte brown has what three or four catches you know i don't remember he had a few catches last year uh, marcus washington doesn't have huge production but he caught i think 18 passes for like 278 yards or something like that a couple touchdowns
1: yeah, like two touchdowns
0: yeah yeah and he so i mean he has that kind of rapport with Casey Thompson. He's a veteran. So I think he's going to be out there. Um, And then I think Oliver Martin's going to be in the mix too. You know, he, um, you know, is just kind of a savvy veteran guy. He's, you know, he's kind of had injuries throughout his career, but he's gotten healthier. And, you know, I think he'll be in the mix there as well. Um, So, yeah, I I think Nebraska's, you know, really deep at that spot. You know, I think, you know, some of the other freshmen could get in there too as well. Um, But, yeah, I think there's a lot to feel good about, you know, with the wide receiver room.
1: Oh, yeah, and, you know, I for, I totally forgot about Washington, but, yeah, I, I believe he'll be a starter, so maybe uh, Manning, Palmer, and Washington, because there was talk that Washington's kind of emerged as a guy that, you know, must see the field. There's just so many, you know, names at the wide receiver position with good talent that, that you know, you want to you, – you have – depth to choose from and tangible depth I feel like we've said that for a lot of positions but it's finally nice to have the ability to mix and match and even have these conversations without kind of dreading them and going "Ugh, you know like what does this room come to
0: <laughs> yeah and it's you know interesting too I mean there's been other guys mentioned you know Brody Belt I've heard his name mentioned um a few times um you know Janrien Bonner, the freshman,'s been, you know, he, he's kind of impressed, I think. And another guy that um, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, you know, the kid mm-hmm. from New Mexico State that transferred I me, mean, he was a really productive receiver. And, uh, you know, I thought it was smart to kind of get him and, uh, you know, Marcus Washington, because I think that the bottom line is that, you know, if Omar Manning and Alonte Brown don't step up this year, Nebraska has two guys that have, you know, proven production you know at the fbs level um you know a lot well actually three guys with washington um garcia castaneda and then uh trey palmer so you know i think it's you've got those three guys that are have proven th- that they can produce at this level you could kind of throw oliver martin in there a little bit but not quite as much and then you have brown and um manning who are kind of you know two you know guys that just haven't quite lived up to their potential but they you know they, they do have a lot of it and i think Omar Manning especially, you know, is the guy that I think is going to essentially be that number one on the outside. You know, Trey Palmer is going to be kind of that number one on the slot, but that big play receiver, I think Omar Manning can hopefully fill that role. But even this uh, last week, you know, Mickey Joseph was kind of getting on him and, you know, kind of ripped him in the media a little bit for not practicing for, you know, he, he called it Knicks. That's what he said, you know, so Omar Manning still is a senior, um, you know, Mickey Joseph's calling you out. So you got to toughen up a little bit.
1: And it will be interesting to see where Brody Belt falls into the equation because I remember in the spring Mickey Joseph gave him some really high praise. So I'll be interested to see where he kind of falls. And yeah, if Mickey Joseph is calling you out, then then you gotta get your crap together. And you know that's always been one of the knocks on meaning that he's not mentally tough or you know, he doesn't seem all in at times. I'm hoping I'm hoping he can kind of get that sorted out this year because Mickey Joseph will help him and improve him, but he's also not going to take any BS. So it's really in Manning's, in, in Manning's hands. The ball is in Manning's court in terms of how he wants this to go. Um,
0: Yeah, so, you know, receiver, it's going to be interesting to see how those guys develop. We've talked a little bit about tight end or at least tight end Travis Vokalek. He was one of our breakout candidates. We both picked him as our breakout candidate for offense. Um, So obviously we, you know, think he's going to start. But what do you think the depth chart is going to look, you know, behind Vokalek, I think it's pretty clear. I mean, he went to Big Ten media days for a reason. Like he's going to start, but who's going to play behind him? How do you see that depth chart stacking up?
1: Hmm. This one's a little tough. Um, Hickman and then Chancellor Brewington, Chris Hickman and Chancellor Brewington. I mean, the one thing about Chancellor Brewington that I noticed last year was that he can block, he can block really, really well. So there's definitely, especially with an offense that will use the run uh, a little bit. Hopefully there's room for blockers. And then Hickman, I know he, um, he got high praise last spring. I'm not sure if he saw the field. You probably know better than me. I was busy watching the um, quarterbacks and wide receivers more so last year, to be honest with you. But I think it, it uh, goes Bokalik, Hickman, and then Brewington because, you know, there are good tight ends waiting in the wings. And we talked about this last week, but health is is, you know, been the big thing for this positional group in particular.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, receiving, I think Bokelec going to be the guy, you know, that gets mm. most of those targets. But yeah, um, Brewington, I think is going to, you know, he's an interesting candidate because we talked about, you know, there's not, you know, like fullbacks, but you need somebody to be in that role. And that's usually like a tight end. And he looks like a, he looks like a guy who could kind of be that role, you know? And so that is a really important job for, you know, tight ends is to be blockers. And they have a lot of them, you know, playing off the line of scrimmage now, you know, they're kind of that move tight end, but almost moving as a blocker where they're moving him around the line of scrimmage. They'll bump him back to a fullback. You know, it's nice to have almost like a true H-back type, you know. So, yeah, I think all the, you know, Rollins, Hickman, uh, Brewington, I think they're all going to play. I think we'd all like to see Thomas Fedoni out there, you know, and he was seen, you know, running stairs, and, you know, he's kind of the the key prize. But, you know, hopefully we just see something out of him this year. You know, I just want to see him get back on the field, sometime this season get into some games catch some passes and then get full bore into next year um you know after you know Vokalek is gone and stuff like that but um but yeah if I, nothing I,
1: else I, just I, for his mental for for his mental state because you know i had to go through some rehab from an injury last year and it takes a toll on you mentally and i can imagine he's going through the same thing so if nothing else for his mental state i'd love to see him back on the field just to get back to doing what he loves yeah, and he, you
0: know, a top 100 recruit. I mean, he, I believe yeah. he was either the number one or number two tight end in in the class. So, you know, he, he's a guy that Nebraska needs to produce. It's like, you know, you look at some of Scott Frost's biggest recruiting wins. We've talked about it before, but McCaffrey, Wandale Robinson, Fedoni, all, you know, so far hasn't been much to show for it. So that's a big reason why Nebraska football is where it's at right now.
1: Yeah, it's kind of puzzling, and you hate to make excuses, but it does seem like There's a lot of uh, bad luck there. I mean, hopefully that changes this year because I think with the recruiting uh, skills that guys like Mickey Joseph, Rayola, uh, Whipple, Bill Bush in particular, I think too, I think they'll be able to get more of these high profile players and hopefully they'll, you know, that'll translate into wins and success.
0: And, you know, another thing that I think is overlooked in recruiting is, you know, the ability of a, the staff to evaluate and identify players. You know, if, uh, fans, a lot of times we look at recruiting rankings, but, you know, I, I trust most football coaching staff over those rankings. You know, so you see programs all the time that will get commitments and then, you know, they'll be lower. And then after they're committed to a certain program, you know, those, you'll see that ranking go up. You know, so it's like Nebraska needs to hit on more of these players. Their coaches need to do a better job of evaluating because Nebraska, the bottom line is they're going to have mostly three-star players. So you need to find the ones that are going to fit your system that are going to be able to, you know, grow and develop and produce. And uh, you know, the previous staff just did not do a very good job of that. The recruiting strategy, I mean, and Frost, you know, needs to be in charge of all that, but you know, the positional coaches, it just, it was, it it wasn't working. So hopefully you know, this recruiting momentum will go forward. And, uh, you know, offensive line, that is one place where, you know, Greg Austin, for all the poor coaching he did on the field, he did get some solid recruits, Teddy Prajaka, Corcoran, um, you know, who's back healthy, it looks like. So what does your starting five look like? You know, the the offensive line is a huge question mark for a lot of Nebraska fans, but what's your front five uh, going into Northwestern? Um,
1: Prajaka. And then probably at left so Prajaka would be at left tackle. Maybe Kevin Williams at the guard. And then Trent Hickson. I know that he has, you know, impressed some coaches, followed by uh Cochran and Bryce Benhart at right tackle, although I think Hunter Anthony could Make a play for that spot, um, in terms of you know that that position. Yeah, i I pretty much agree. Um, I believe they've
0: uh, Corcoran's. I think he's going to start on the left side. So I think we're going to have Prajaka, um, Corcoran at the left side, then Hickson, and you know it looks like to me that Brock Bando is going to end up being get that first shot at Right Guard, the senior. That's what I think. You know, there's certainly some other guys, you know, going to be in the mix for that. And then, um, you know, Ben Hart, I think. Yeah, out of right tackle. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens there, you know, if he can hold on to that job. You know, Keith Williams could slide out there. There's some other options at tackle. But that's, I think, going to be the starting five, you know, assuming everybody's healthy. But, you know, I'm definitely concerned about depth there and i'm concerned to, you know there, there's a few spots where i'm kind of worried about things you know keith williams is one guy i feel good about kind of coming off the bench and you know i think he could play a few different positions you know being six five you know three hundred and five um but yeah it's not you know you you look at running back and and receiver and you feel pretty good about the depth but the depth of the offensive line seems a little shaky
1: yeah, I kind of like the depth at tight end, in my opinion as well. Uh, There's certain positions offensively where the depth is better than others, but I'll be interested to see how things play out on the line. I think, at least for the Northwestern game, I think you're probably right in the in the sense that Brock um, Bando will have the right guard spot, and he's been practicing well. But I'm wondering. If at some point Cochran will slide in there, I think the fact that he just returned to practice a couple of days ago, um, it may be better if you know Nebraska uh, uh, Nebraska rests him. But I think maybe towards the middle point of the year we may see him slide into that spot
0: instead of because I think he's been playing left guard yeah right yeah. now oh okay yeah so yeah. I've- I think, he's expe- I think they're expecting him to be the left
1: guard starter. but Oh, okay. So then – Okay, but, so then – Oh, okay, yeah. I'm just reading the, the depth chart now because there are a bunch of names on there, and you're right. The depth there at the position in terms of um, guard and tackle in particular is kind of shaky.
0: And I could see a situation where, um, you know, if – Ben Hart struggles at right tackle, which he did last year um, where Corcoran has to move out. I think they're trying to have Corcoran, you know, left guard right now in the hope that uh, Ben Hart works out at right tackle. But if not, then, you know, they're going to have to make some adjustments and that could, you know, lead to somebody, you know, some shuffling around in the offensive line there. But hopefully Donovan Rayola can, you know, get that group figured out. And I think that's going to be a key point uh, for the offense. So, Overall, you know, we've kind of went through, you know, our predictions. What, you know, how many points, I guess, let's just go right there. How many points do you think Nebraska is going to score per game? Are they going to hit that 30 point mark?
1: Hmm. I'd, I'd say probably they have the talent for over 30. Will they get there as everybody adjusts to the new offense right away? I don't think so, but I think as the middle point of the season comes along you're going to see them start to hit that 30 point plateau i'd say they're going to when all is said and done they're going to average just over 30 but i think um in the first couple of games it's it's not going to be easy as you know all the new pieces adjust to the new offensive style
0: yeah and i bl- i'd have to double check this i looked the stat up a couple of weeks ago um, I believe that the Huskers have only averaged 30 points a game once under Scott Frost. I think that was his first season, and they actually had like eight or nine games in a row where they went over 450 yards of offense. So after that first year, it looked like the offense was really going to get humming, and then it never really – it just, it just kind of was stagnant. It never got better. Um, but I do think, yeah, this team should be able to get, I think, about 33, 34 points a game. I mean, if it's going to – That's what that's what it's going to take, I think, to win about eight games this year. You know, they consistently got to get in that range. Um, Eight, nine wins. So, yeah, that's going to be my prediction. I'm going to say they're going to get it. You know, I I do think yeah, I could see them starting a little bit slow because, yeah, it's a lot of new pieces to gel. So maybe like 32 points a game. But I think this is going to be a pretty dynamic offense. Hopefully I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, but, you know, it tastes pretty good right now.
1: Well, we'll we'll see what happens in uh, just a little under two weeks. I mean, you know, I don't think Northwestern is going to be an easy game, but I think it's going to be a nice warm-up game for the offense. You know, I think it's going to be a good test because Northwestern always plays, you know, tough. So I'll be interested to see what this offense does. There's a lot of pressure riding on the offense, but – I think they can get it done. I think they can get over 30 points.
0: yeah, so um I wanted to ask one more question and then we'll wrap it up and we'll be coming back with another episode you know later this week where we'll break down our defensive depth chart you know for the 2022 season and then it's gonna be full on to Northwestern. We are gonna also be putting out a, a full long season prediction. We're gonna go game by game so we'll tell you you know you'll know where we stand. Um, here on the Husker Big Red podcast before the season kind of kicks off. But um, the last thought that I had is, Danny, when do you expect Scott Frost to name a starting quarterback?
1: Probably by this week, I would say. I mean, it's all but been officially named. I mean, you had him last week say that, you know, Thompson was probably the number one starter and, you know, we kind of knew he was a number one starter when he transferred in in December, but I think probably by this week, just so um Nebraska can get kind of, quote unquote, a week in with their starting quarterback before Northwestern for game preparation. Um, you know, I think um I think I'll probably name it this week, probably. I'm going to guess by the end of the week, just to give a little bit more of that competition feel to guys like Purdy, but I think he's going to name it before next week so that the team can have a full slate of practice with Thompson as the official starting quarterback. Yeah, I would think,
0: you know, sometime this week would make sense, but you know, so that I believe, unless I'm wrong, but I believe they're supposed to have one kind of more scrimmage. And I'm sure they want Monday. to see Monday. OK, so I'm sure they want to see how that goes. You know, I think we're not going to hear a whole lot before then. But, yeah, sometime in the middle of the week, I wouldn't surprise me if they you know, came out and said Casey Thompson was their starter. Notre Dame announced their starter yesterday, even though there wasn't that much of the, everybody pretty much knew who it was going to be. But. They were kind of making it out like it was a competition. I, I think every school wants to say it's a competition, but 99% of the time you have a pretty yeah. good idea. But yeah. uh, if we don't hear it this week, then that's going to have me a little more interested that maybe Chubba's coming on and maybe maybe it's not quite so clear. Maybe we'll even see Chubba play a little bit in that Northwestern game. Who knows?
1: Knowing Nebraska, they will announce it the week of the Northwestern game and then that will send everybody into a frenzy and then we'll have 75,000 theories as to why Scott Frost didn't name a starter uh, two weeks ago, but, you know, we'll see. I'm hoping it's by the end of this week just for, you know, posterity's sake. And I do think, just to kind of quickly go back on what you said a little bit, you know, Chuba is, you know... He's gonna be a solid quarterback and I think his starting time will come. I just don't think it's right now.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's right now either. I'm just interested to see how much Nebraska tries to sprinkle him in, not like not saying even giving him a series or two, but I'm wondering just to get him a little more game experience, you know, and um just in certain situations where maybe he could use his legs, you know, and, and also still be a thrower. So I'm just wonder I'm just interested to see if they Try to find some type of role to keep him engaged and to also just get him a little bit of experience, you know, without like letting him take over the offense, but just kind of a few snaps here or there, not just mop-up time. But that's that's why we have to wait
1: for the games and we'll we'll see what happens. And this is also kind of interesting because in previous years, and I'm not dogging on him for this at all, but Adrian Martinez didn't really have a quarterback competition and he didn't really need to practice really hard because he knew he was going to be the starting quarterback. I mean, um, and now, you know, we know that Casey Thompson is going to be a starting quarterback, but, you know, Purdy's waiting in the rings right there. We have good depth. You know, we've said it a lot, but it's so important. We have good depth in comparison to other years. So it's nice to not have a quarterback competition per se, but it's nice to Have somebody breathing down the starter's neck a little bit just for competition's sake and keeping Thompson on his toes. Yep, competition. Iron sharpens iron,
0: you know, so that's what that's what they always say. Um but on that note we will uh wrap up another episode of the husker big red podcast you know make sure that you know you are s- subscribing uh to our podcast here on apple and spotify uh, anywhere else that you you know take in your podcasts um we've got lots of great content at both of our websites huskerbigred.com you know that's me chris peterson um the great org from danny gillette so you know check us out for your husker content you know, you can also find we have some great YouTube videos up. So make sure you check out the Husker Big Red YouTube page. And uh, we will be up with another episode with our defensive depth chart predictions soon. So as always, go Big
1: Red. Go Big Red.